Bickley and Marotta mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley Blast. At a time when NBA players are made of glass, Devin Booker gives no quarter. He never backs down from a challenge. He never believes he actually fouled an opponent. And he'll never admit he was tired at the end of Game 2, even after playing 44 minutes at high altitude. And you know what? Maybe he wasn't tired at the end, which got me thinking. Why do we all assume that asking Booker to be full-time point guard in Chris Paul's absence is such a bad idea? He's got the handle, the poise, and the stamina. So what are we afraid of? Do we think he's too fragile? I think he'd laugh in your face at the very suggestion. Look, there are a lot of guys who need to step up in Paul's absence if the Suns are going to get back into this series. And for different reasons, there's a ton of pressure on James Jones, Monty Williams, and Kevin Durant, two of whom might not be here next year. And it's a bit ironic that following the additions of Paul and KD, we're back to where we've always been ever since Book entered the league, expecting him to carry a flawed team. But Booker at point guard is not only the best play Williams can make entering a must-win game three, it's exactly the opportunity and the stage that could vault Booker to the very top of the NBA. After all, what could be more legendary than stepping up and saving playoff season in Phoenix? All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable. You can find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. I mean, the playoffs is a lot. Um, a lot comes with this, so, you know, you just have to embrace it. You know, embrace the challenge. Um, embrace the opportunity that we have right now. Um, even down 0-2. Get back home, protect our home court, and go from there. But, you know, a lot is on all of our plates, and that's everybody throughout the playoffs right now. That is Devin Booker following game two. A lot is on all of our plates. And uh, to your point, Bick, there's going to be, uh, regardless of what it looks like on Friday night, there's going to be more on Devin Booker's mm-hmm. plate because you don't, you, you won't likely have Chris Paul. Although it mm-hmm. was interesting, I, I pointed this out to you. Uh, there was a, a Twitter account yesterday that uh, tweeted out a video. Yesterday was the eight-year anniversary, 2015 playoffs, Clippers versus Spurs. Chris Paul, another playoff injury, groin injury, played through it, not only played mm-hmm. through it, hit a wrong foot game-winning shot over the outstretched arm yeah. of Tim Duncan. Yeah. Groins are tough. Eight years makes a big difference, and groins are tough. Maybe he tries to gut through it. I don't. No. I don't know. I, my feeling and my experience in the last two years of, of, of Chris Paul yeah. tells me that he's not going to be available. No, if he couldn't push off on that thing on Monday, there's no way he's playing on Friday. That's just my opinion. Um, as we said at the very beginning of the show, um, it, it's there's already been a, a clap back on Chris Paul for getting injured again. A lot of Suns fans who are obviously very frustrated and they're lashing out in a variety of different ways. A lot of people are getting are, are getting are catching strays as they. They say a lot of people catching strays because of all this disappointment and and anger uh, around the Phoenix Suns. A lot of people are directing that at Chris Paul. Oh, gee, of course, of course. Like clockwork. Like clockwork. Again, Chris Paul is not a load management guy. Chris Paul would play every minute you give him. Chris Paul doesn't want to be injured. Is Chris Paul doing something to get injured? No. So the the hate, I mean, don't let it overshadow. Please don't let it overshadow what Chris Paul is will, will forever mean. 
to this basketball franchise forever. Without Chris Paul, there's probably no Kevin Durant. Certainly there's not, you know, this run that we've had here. No. So, and, and we all remember how incredible he was in year one. You remember, do you remember the feeling when he got hurt in that first playoff run yes. against the Lakers? Yes. How devastated we felt because how important he meant. He's not as important to the group anymore. That's clear. Vic, I left the arena that day. The Suns won game one against the Lakers in that series. You left the arena that day going, okay, they got one win out of the way, but dot, mm-hmm. dot, dot, what's going to happen? Right. How worried should you be about Chris Paul? And the answer was very worried. He gutted through it. Mm-hmm. He was completely marginalized in that series. Mm-hmm. The numbers bear that out. Yep. As the postseason wore on, he got better. But, you know, that's kind of been the trajectory of Chris Paul in Phoenix, and mm-hmm. that's to be expected. We all said those things when that deal was made. Yep. Like, you have to make that trade. Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome, oh, they bring in Chris great Paul. Trade. Yeah, Seems great trade. Absolutely yeah. trade. And there yeah. was people against that trade. Yeah, I, know, I remember yeah. Bick and I talking people off the ledge. I remember at that, that too. Time. But it, there was also an admission. He's getting up there in years. He does have an injury history. These are the things you have to take the good with the bad. And here's where we are. This is, again, I don't believe if he can't go, this should not be a death sentence no. for the Phoenix Suns. Chris Paul is no longer playing at an all star level. There are some things that he does that are irreplaceable. Number one, he's got the experience and the calm under pressure to settle this team down when things start to get nuts. And, and Devin Booker doesn't have that ability yet. Devin Booker still gets caught up in the moment way, way too often. Um, so you're going to miss that. You're going to miss the fact that even at age 37, he can still get to his spot and make a shot. You're going to miss that. Um, you're going to miss the pick and roll game that he can play with DeAndre and The Suns do not have another point guard on their roster who can play it as skillfully as Chris Paul can but I don't believe there's I don't believe this is insurmountable at all I've been saying it for 48 hours here I, and in fact I think it's an opportunity for the Phoenix Suns to look a lot different in game three yes. as Vinny as I discussed last hour go back and take a look at the opening tip off and how the Nuggets reacted to the ball being in Chris Paul's hand they double teamed him to start the game yes. and Jamal Murray came right into him physically and as you pointed out, there was a foul. Now, it, it wasn't called, and a lot of fouls weren't called that night, so whatever. <laughs> but but th- it doesn't matter what the ref did. What matters is what the Nuggets did. And that strategy was disrespectful, and it was a sign of what we've been seeing for two years now. Take the regular season out of the picture. In the playoffs, starting last season, New Orleans, Dallas, Denver. These three playoff series, Chris Paul, they have been predatory in their defense of the Suns' offense because of perceived vulnerabilities of the point guard. This gives the Suns a chance to reinvent themselves. So this is why this is why I'm not giving up on this thing. If Chris, if Chris Paul were playing at the level he was three years ago, I'd feel a lot different about this team's chances. If Chris Paul meant to this group what he meant to the Suns three years ago, I wouldn't feel good about their chances. He doesn't mean as much to their chances as he did. That's the inconvenient truth. Yes, and now if that is the Suns' reality moving forward in this series, the onus falls on three people on the court. The three people are Devin Booker, aforementioned. Mm -hmm. His role will grow in, in, in becoming the primary ball handler and facilitator of this offense. I think he's up for the challenge. Mm-hmm. We've had the Kevin Durant discussion. Kevin Durant needs to be better than he was. They, you know, they, you know, the Suns went out and made that deal. You heard Matt Ishbia say it to win a championship. Maybe not this year, but hey, 
this is this year, and they're still alive. They're one of eight teams competing for this thing. Mm-hmm. He needs to be better to to help improve that effort. And let's talk about DeAndre Ayton reinventing themselves. Does that mean they lean more heavily on DeAndre Ayton against Nikola Jokic in one-on-one matchups offensively? Nikola Jokic is a wonderful offensive player. He can be had defensively. Now, a mm-hmm. lot of that depends on the mentality, the, the compete level, the force level that DeAndre Ayton plays with. But they need him. I, I they don't need him to be better than he's been. Why, why is it that D.A. needs more rest than Nikola Jokic? Why is that? D.A. has been coming out about six minutes into the first quarter. Nikola Jokic plays through almost to the very end of it. It's Monty's staggering system. Okay. Because, which, again, I think you can call into question from Game 2 as well. That did happen, and we've seen after Game 1 of the Clippers series, the staggering ensuring that two of the Suns' top four players were always on the floor okay. together. You never had one, but in Game 2 against the Nuggets, we saw... Devin Booker with four reserves. We saw Kevin Durant with four reserves. So the staggering really didn't really didn't take a, mm. effect. And I, I think you can you can probably lob some criticism there. But generally speaking, yeah. you know why why isn't DeAndre Ayton a forty minute guy? That's a great question. If everybody else is playing forty, exactly. and he was exactly two years ago. Right. Yeah. That's exactly we, we right. Complimented him. That that was sort of like the awakening in Suns fans' minds mm-hmm. two years ago when he was playing forty minutes a game because they had nobody behind him at that point. He needed to do it, and he was given to him, and he was great. Stayed out of foul trouble. Yeah, yeah all that. He was fantastic. Yeah, and, and honestly, that's the the triangle I'm looking at. Take it all under your wing, and if you get any contributions from anybody else, so be it. If anybody else on the on the periphery of the Suns that is disappointed immensely this postseason wants to join the party, you're more than welcome. <laughs> but you yeah. can't count on it. Mm-hmm. It's got to be up to Durant, Booker, and Aiton. Exactly. Exactly. Coming up next, we'll have more on the uh, Suns Nuggets and uh, the subject of responsibility. That is straight ahead here on this uh, Wednesday edition of Bickley Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Bickley and Murata talk Suns Nuggets now. You tell me what the difference is between watching the offense of the Suns this year and the offense of the Brooklyn Nets last year. Yeah, no, There fair. really isn't that much of a difference. And Monty Williams is one of the best coaches in basketball, but the style and the continuity needs to be worked on. And it needs to be crystallized, and it needs to be done very quickly because the style of, hey, Kevin, it's your go. Hey, Devin, it's your go. Hey, I'll just wait in the corner. It's your go, Devin. Hey, Kevin, uh, you know, it's my go now. Like, that does not work in playoff basketball. Teams can load up, and you're seeing what Denver did, especially in game one, where they're throwing double teams at the tangents of the game at Kevin Durant, and they're staying home on Devin Booker. Yeah, that's uh, Jay Williams from ESPN Radio. He joins Wolf and Luke weekly talking about uh, the Suns' offense, or lack thereof, especially in the fourth quarter. The funny part about it, and and maybe it's not funny, maybe it's more frustrating in the grand scheme of things, Mm -hmm. but... Uh, with that fourth it was a bad offensive performance all night by the Suns, right? Yeah. They made 38 baskets in that ball game, 23 assists. 
Yet they're the team uh, that's getting the criticism for the offense bogging down. The full night, 19 assists on 36 baskets for Denver. Even with an established offensive culture with a two-time MVP and Nikola Jokic being the centerpiece of mm-hmm. that. So the Suns really just struggled for, I think, 12, you know, shots not falling yeah. is one thing, but the offense did bog down. Tim Legler's been all over ESPN radio, all over ESPN TV, kind of saying what Jay Williams said about the Suns' fourth quarter offense looked like an AAU offense. Like, like here, your turn. Let's see what you can do. Let's ISO. And that's not the Suns game. And it hasn't well, been yeah. for three years. And, and I, I think, I do think that fatigue began to set in a little I bit. Agree. And, and I think that a lot of shots were left late or let short. I mean, and, and I think that there was a lot of standing around. There wasn't a lot of activity. So, yeah, I do agree. It was a bad look. And what was weird is that it was just, it, how would you ever predict that a guy like Jamal Murray and Kevin Durant would struggle the way they did from three-point land, where a lot of their misses were just bricks. Yeah. <laughs> Each had some in and outs. Both of them did. But it, it was, I, I've never known bad shooting to be that contagious. They say, you know, hitting is contagious in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot of shot making going on on Saturday or on Monday night. That's No, sure. that's true. And, and the Suns, I think a lot of Suns fans are lamenting the fact of what you just said. Jamal Murray was a world beater in Game 1. Mm-hmm. It was awful in Game 2. Can you count on another bad shooting performance like that? No. I, I, I said his shooting was not sustainable from Game 1. That bad performance is not sustainable either. It will you know, come back up to the mean. Mm-hmm. Had the Suns won that game... You know, you know, um, the, the opposite could be true too. I mean, the the Nuggets probably feel fortunate that Kevin Durant had a bad game when Murray was off too. So, mm-hmm. uh, I expect a much different looking performance, even without Chris Paul. I expect a much different looking offensive performance well, from the Suns. Well, and I, I also believe what what is the crowd like in Minnesota? Are, are they real rabid? Are they not rabid? Does anybody have any information on this? But the like point the of, people themselves, are they rabid? Well, or? not the people themselves, just the hostile nature of the environment, of the met, arena. I've met some people from Minnesota, and I'm convinced they all have rabies. That's right. <laughs> the um, <laughs> mixed with the raccoons. What? I don't. It doesn't have the reputation of being okay. That's the answer I'm looking yeah. for. So, yeah. I, so this is uh, like I said, the vibe at at Ball Arena, formerly known as Pepsi Center. It's it's nothing. It's, there, there are, there is no hostility to that arena at all. There's I heard nothing. it was much better Monday. Was is that correct? I, I, d- you maybe didn't notice it. It's if it was much better on Monday, it wasn't to the point where it makes a difference on the game. It just doesn't. Okay. Look, we've we've had on multiple people from Denver tell us where the Nuggets rank. Yeah. on the right. sports, it's true. You know, tier mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and fandom. That's exactly right. They're third. At very best, um, because the helix of DNA, you remember that? The, it, that spins in a community? Right. Exactly. Right. That was Zach Bai who, who yes. ran that theory on The us. helix. Yeah. There, so there's no helix of DNA connecting the community when it comes to the Nuggets because there's no success. Gee, where have we seen that before? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> and, and also, let's, we've lived that here. Let's face it. Denver... You know, it's it's not as brutal of playoff losses. You know, one specific things you could point out, like the Suns' history or other cursed. But they feel like they've underachieved in the playoffs in the last few years. If they if they lose one or two games in a row now to the mm-hmm. Suns, all of a sudden you know their fan base is going to start to clench up. You know their players that have been there might start saying, "Oh no, here we go again. We're going to screw it up in the playoffs again." I I mean. 
I'll start it with the beginning of what you said. I don't, and I, I'm projecting here. I don't think that the Nuggets fan base, for a number of reasons, feels like the Nuggets did underachieve the last two years because they had the built-in excuse: Jamal Murray wasn't healthy. True, but they did have the MVP both years. Yes, with little help elsewhere. Mm-hmm. If the Suns climb back into the series, I could see that. I could really see that taking hold. Yeah, listen, I, 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 what I'm trying to say is I think the, the home court advantage at Footprint Center, when it's really popping, and I think it will, I hope it will be, I hope belief isn't left the proverbial building here in Phoenix. You know what I mean? Because there's there's, there, there are two types of Suns crowds the last couple of years. The fully engaged, like it was three years ago, all night, every night, mm-hmm. and the, okay, only when it really, really counts, yes. right? So if this crowd is as good as it should be on Friday night, it will make an impact on the game because I don't think the Nuggets have experienced it, and it certainly doesn't get as loud in Denver as it does in Phoenix. It's not even close. I agree with you. This, If you're waiting for a situation that really counts, Suns fans mm-hmm. as a collective, Friday really counts. There's, they fall if they yeah. fall behind three nothing, it's over. Make mm-hmm. your summer vacation plans, and you could take that vacation from now to mid June because the suns won't be around. If they lose Friday, I'm not sure what the Sunday crowd is going to be like. Because when you're down three nothing, yeah, nobody comes back from three nothing down. No, two nothing with another home game, and 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 the goal of making it a three game series. That's a very yeah. realistic goal to have for for uh, the Phoenix Suns or any team that we falls behind. Oh, two one. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, so so the, again, the the big thing here for the Suns, this is where you take the most solace. Again, if you win both these home games for whatever reason, if it's the crowd, if it's KD, if it's Book, whatever it is, you're going to freak out the Nuggets. Because 2-0, you feel like this thing is just about done. Now 2-2, the amount of pressure you feel as a basketball team when it, when the other team comes back and does what you just did. Holds serve and wins two straight games. It really has a huge psychological effect on the team that was formerly up 2-0. Yeah. Because now you've got a game five at home that you got to win. Yeah, it's and we just saw that in the Kings Warriors. It's the best example. You you come back and hold serve and you post a two game winning streak. It's it is just nuts from that point going forward. It is chaos, and I will take my chances with the Suns over this unpedigreed basketball team from Denver any day of the week if they get it back to two two. You know, yesterday was the thirty year anniversary of Beck. I do not. I thought we um, played well enough to win, and they just took the game anyway. So we're down 0-2, and I know the next question is, are you guys dead? No. We're going to win the series. We're going to win one Tuesday, and the next game's Thursday. We'll win there, and we'll come back and we'll win the series on Sunday. And everybody will say what a great series it was. It has been a great series. Just we haven't liked it too much. Because we're a better team than the Lakers, and we will win. <laughs> now, obviously, the situation's much different. A best of seven. Mm-hmm. They're not a one seed taking on an eight seed. We get all the parameters. But mm-hmm. you know, being down 0-2, that was the one time in Suns history they yeah. were down 0-2 in a series and came back to win it. Right. It can uh, be done. Yeah, of course it can. Of course. Coming up next, more uh, Suns talk. It's time for our weekly visit with the legendary voice of the Phoenix Suns, Al McCoy. Al about the Suns straight ahead here on Bickley and Murata Morning. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Susan! 
CP3 for three. Al, about the Suns. Hall of Famer Suns broadcaster Al McCoy calls in to talk Suns with Bickley and Murata. Suns win. The Suns win. Al, about the Suns. Driven by Sanderson Ford. Yep, Suns and Nuggets headed back to Phoenix for game three Friday night. That means not only will the Suns have the uh, home court advantage with the footprint center crowd, but the Hall of Fame voice of the Suns will be back on the call, Al McCoy, and he joins us right now for his weekly visit on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Good morning, Al. How are you? Well, good morning. Good morning. I'm waiting for Friday night. No question about it. Yeah, there's a a long waiting period with three off days, which I think when the schedule first came out for this series, Al, everybody was like, wow, three days in between games two and three. But it could be a benefit for the Suns now, couldn't it? Well, no question about it. Uh, obviously, we don't know uh, the extent of CP3's injury. Uh, don't get any day-to-day reports, obviously. But hopefully, uh, these days off will help, and he'll be back as soon as possible. What do you make of the general play around uh, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker? Now, KD obviously did not have a good game to it, and I would be shocked if he doesn't rebound with uh, ferocity on Friday night. But there's a lot of guys out there doesn't look like they want to shoot the basketball in these tense moments Al well I think you're right but I do want to say something about game two I thought the Suns really uh, could have won that game and probably should have I like the way they came out they came out with intense performance they played tough defense and they really I thought had that game won until CP3 went down late in the third quarter with that injury and then they just ran out of gas in the fourth quarter and uh, could get nothing from their bench scoring wise and had to see the game wind up with a loss but I thought they really deserved to win I like the way they came out ready to play yeah, and that was still a five-point game with about three minutes to go. I mean, it was still in the balance, and, and I tend to agree with your assessment, Al, that you know there was a little bit of gas uh, leaking at that point for the Suns. But now you know, you're faced with the possibility, maybe the probability of Chris Paul not playing in Game 3. Vic and I were talking about it. Obviously, that responsibility to make up for his loss falls on everybody. But I'm really counting on only the big three, and that's Booker, Durant, and Ayton to fill that role because the role players for the Suns in the postseason have been almost non-existent to this point. Your thoughts? Well, they have been. And, and uh, how the bench is being used is still uh, kind of questionable. I mean, you can't bring guys in and have them play two and a half minutes and then get them out again. They just have not been able to get any consistency about who's coming off the bench, when they're going to come off the bench, and they have not been able to make any contribution. Uh, They're going to have to get something from that if they're going to get into the win column against this Denver team. But uh, home court advantage means a great deal. I think uh, maybe more in the playoffs than during the regular season. And I think that's going to be helpful to the Suns. If they can get a typical Devin Booker game, a typical uh, Durant game, if they can get uh, DeAndre Ayton to realize he needs to be here in the Suns uniform, uh, I think they've got a great chance to win the two games, whether they have CP3 or not. Now, they're going to miss him, particularly because he's had uh, so many good fourth quarters in these playoff games. But a lot of the 
emphasis now uh, will fall on who comes off the bench to fill that role. And Campaign, who hasn't played much in about a month, is going to have a lot of pressure on him. No question about it. Yeah. He couldn't hit us. Couldn't hit a shot the other night. Yes, and and I agree with you. I think this is one area where Monty Williams has failed the Phoenix Suns, and that is not having this rotation set going into this series. Because that's one thing Mike Malone has done. There's there's real clarity in that program as to who's coming off the bench and how many minutes they're playing. Do you think it'd be good for Monty for for whatever it, it takes for the rest of the series to get a, a rotation and get roles locked in stone, if you will? Well, I certainly would agree with you with that. I think it's difficult for a player not to know if he's going to play at all, when he might play, how long he would be on the floor. Uh, Those are things that are difficult uh, for a player to absorb, and there hasn't been much consistency uh, in that particular area for the Suns. You're right. Al McCoy, the Hall of Fame legendary voice of the Suns, joins us every Wednesday morning to talk Suns basketball ahead of Game 3 of the series with the Nuggets. Uh, Through two games, Al, uh, we've had a lot of discussion about the play of DeAndre Ayton. Obviously, it's an enormous matchup for him going up against Nikola Jokic, one of the best players in the game. And I think we've seen two different versions of DeAndre Ayton. Without the numbers changing much, what do you make so far of what you've seen through two games of this series from D.A.? Well, we need more. Uh, he's, he's been up and down. Uh, we've seen some stretches where he's been very effective and he's been able to score and he's been able to play some pretty good defense against uh, um, Nicola. And uh, he really needs to step up. He has to be a big plus in this series. So uh, the Suns are going to rely on him a great deal. Uh, I thought uh, Nicola probably should have gotten the MVP award again, although the league, I guess, doesn't want to see anybody get it three years in a row. To me, he's such a great player. But uh, D.A. can do a good job on him defensively. He has, and he's going to step up now that they have the home court here in these next two games. I wonder, with your experience, if you've seen what I've seen, that if the Suns are able to match what the Nuggets did, and that is hold, serve, win two home games, that, that they can really take advantage or change the psychological dynamics of the series. Because when you prove to the opponent that you are as stout as they are, and you hold serve, it, it can really shift the pressure back to Denver. Do you agree with that? Do you think if the Suns get these next two games, they're going to be in a decent position to pull this off? Well, no question. And they did that through almost three quarters in game two. Yeah, you're right. I thought they came out the aggressors. They were very physical defensively, and they had that game in their hip pocket. But they lost CP3 late in the third quarter and then couldn't score in the fourth quarter because their big guns just ran out of gas. And as we mentioned, didn't get anything from the bench, but they can certainly turn this thing around in a hurry before the hometown crowd and these next two games. I don't think there's any any question about that. Now, I don't even want to get into this, but I have to mention it. <laughs> in a playoff game with the physical play, how can you go an entire half without a free throw, and how can you only have five free throws in a ball game and the opposition has 25? Just don't understand it. And uh, you saw the game. I saw the game. Every time Devin Booker had the ball, he had a defensive hand in his chest, pushing him, grabbing him, and no calls. And the Suns just have to live with that. And the only thing I can say, and someday we'll talk about this to great length, but hopefully our new owner, 
will be able to overcome this with the league and the officials and uh, get the word out that this city of Phoenix is probably the greatest sports city in the country and for a lot of reasons and just has not been getting what they should. But uh, let's overlook that. You've got home court now, and you've got to keep going. And I, I just want to mention this. Uh, sometimes it's so good to know how to handle officials. I thought last night after Golden State uh, lost that game to the Lakers on their postgame conference, Coach Steve of the Warriors was asked about the officiating, and he could have complained. He didn't. He said, oh, I thought they did a really a good job. <laughs> I thought they really did a nice job. And sometimes you have to come up with that yeah. and, and not let your emotions sway you. Exactly. Yeah, and the differential was stark in that game. But, but, but focusing on that, too, the Suns not only didn't shoot a free throw in the first half, they didn't shoot one in the fourth quarter either. All five of them came in the third quarter, which was their best offensive quarter. But even moving away from that and the disappointment of the loss, Al, I think it was somewhat uh, 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 encouraging for the Suns to play such a different style. That was a physical, physical playoff game from the outset. And those two teams were killing each other in the first half. But the sun showing that they can hang and flourish in that in that style for three quarters, I think, was somewhat encouraging. Oh, no question. And that's what I, I liked about it. As I said, the Suns really should have won the game because they did for almost three full quarters and just, uh, you know, couldn't score in the fourth quarter, got nothing for the bench. And, and Book and KD, I think, were just completely worn out. And uh, But they, they played and competed, and I think uh, Denver's going to be aware of that when they take the floor here on Friday night. Al, always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, we look forward to the calls uh, from you this weekend and uh, look forward to our visit next weekend when we continue to break down this series. How about well, we're, look, <laughs> we're looking forward to it, and I think we're going to see two very competitive games here on Friday and Sunday. No Sounds doubt. great. Thank Al, you, Al. Be well. Uh, Al McCoy, the uh, Hall of Fame voice of the Suns. Al about the Suns Al. every Wednesday here on uh, Bickley and Murata Morning. There are two things he mentioned I want to get back into at some point in time. Okay. We'll do it. Uh, what do you say at 9.30? We do it at 9.30. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Al McCoy revisited you, at 930. You busy at 930? Good. We'll mark it down. That's right. Uh, score the hottest ticket in Town Suns playoff tickets. Just text ticket to 62620. Register and listen for your name today during the noon and 5 o'clock hours for your chance to qualify for Game 3 and Game 4 tickets to see the Suns take on the Nuggets. If you're not registered, make sure you text ticket to 62620 to get into all of the fun. Coming up next, Arizona Cardinals getting ready for minicamp. Jonathan Gannon, their head coach, spoke on a number of topics to the media yesterday. We'll tell you what he had to say next. Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It's a mistake that we made. And um, the league kind of rectified it, and we've moved on. But basically, after the NFC Championship game, Monty reached out and, um, you know, kind of said, hey, you know, congratulations. He's been to some Super Bowls and, and uh, gave me a little advice about how to handle that and said, look, like, I'm in, we're in the middle of a coaching search and don't know how the timing of this is all going to shake out. But basically, would you be interested in interviewing if the timing gets pushed back till after Super Bowl? And I said, yeah, I would. 
That was uh, Jonathan Gannon uh, partially uh, explaining the tampering incident that came to light last Thursday before the first round of the NFL draft that caused the Cardinals with no... I mean, it was a penalty. There's no doubt about it. Mm. But it was a penalty that the NFL... Uh, basically said, you guys work out on your own. It was kind of, remember when the Suns gave a chunk of money to the Morris brothers and they said, you guys work it out on your own? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of that way. Divvy yeah. it up the way you see fit. So they lost like 28 spots of draft position. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is a significant penalty. It is significant, and we'll see how those respective draft picks pan out. It could really be significant moving forward. It was a mistake. Uh, some questions were answered yesterday. Um, Jonathan Gannon did clarify it was a uh, phone call. It wasn't a Zoom call, as had been reported. Yep. No, it was not a Zoom interview. Um, it was a phone call. And, um, you know, I've talked to Monty before, you know, a couple of years ago, a year ago, or whatever, and I picked up, and, you know, that's impermissible contact. So that's what it is, and the league handled it how they wanted to handle it. And, um, you know, like I said, looking forward to moving on. Like I said, uh, some yeah. questions were answered, Vic, not everything. Was. Okay, now check this out. Okay, this is this is something in enti- this is going to blow your mind, and it really kind of speaks to the BS coming out of Philadelphia in regards to this whole thing. Shane, Shane Sta- let me start over. Shane Steichen, who? Shane, Shane Steichen, Steichen, who? He interviewed with the Colt with the Colts a second time between the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl, but that's okay because it's a second interview. It's not impermissible. Yeah, like I said, rules to have rules. Rules to have rules. So it's so you can't have a first interview, but you can have a second interview, and that's going to get the the Eagles all aggrieved. But that's I mean, one of the things on. that I don't understand, yeah. Vic. Is that if this call the call the first call. Mm-hmm. The call that we're talking about that that re, you know re, reacted everybody reacted and these penalties had to be handed out and these swaps had to be made. It happened in that closed period. Why was the Cardinals coaching search lagging so far behind? Mm. We talked about it in real time. There was a small group of candidates. They went through those candidates and they'd add new candidates mm. and they went through those candidates. Jonathan Gannon was one of the last names added to the mix. Why is that? Was it a failure to recognize Jonathan Gannon as a candidate? Was it a complete lack of interest of every from everybody else? I don't think we'll ever know the answer to that. Like how yeah. far down well, their list did they have to go to find somebody, A, that they really wanted, or B, that really wanted to come to Arizona? Uh, Adam Schefter claims that this tampering incident affected a lot of people's lives. And the point that he puts out there is that Vic Fangio would have never taken the job in Miami had they known Rich Gannon was taken off to coach Arizona. Does that make sense to you? That he would have been more interested in going to Philadelphia. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I don't. But again, I, the idea, the idea that that Jonathan Gannon, that his focus was diverted, and he gave the Eagles a half-assed effort going into the Super Bowl. It's laughable to me. Laughable. So uh, again, I don't. I don't know. I, I think the. I think the Eagles play dirty here. But that just. That's just my personal opinion. I, I. I understand there are rules, but if you're if you allow guys to have second interviews between the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl, wh- wh- why you why you breaking bad on Jonathan Gannon? I think. You know what I think they're doing? I think they are conveniently a targeting Jonathan Gannon as the scapegoat of their Super Bowl loss, which takes all the heat off of everybody else, yes. rallies around a common enemy, if you will, yes. right? And 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 that, the fact that they knew that let's act mad and we can extract draft capital from them. 
Yeah. I'm not a fan of the way the Eagles I, – I, I had a lot of respect for that organization. I think it's real bush the way they operated here. And I think the NFL thinks that way too. For the NFL, honestly, if this was a big deal, the NFL would not say, listen, you two children, go to your rooms and figure it out. <laughs> it's true. But that's the other question we don't know the answer to. This was self-reported by the Cardinals. That was confirmed yesterday by the Cardinals. But how did the Eagles find out about yeah. it? Right. I mean, uh, unless it was a Jonathan Gann- or a, a team issued cell phone that Jonathan Gannon answered on. Or- now, were they were they ticked off at Jonathan Gannon's demeanor after the after the Super Bowl loss? That's understandable because you know I had heard there were people ticked off at DeAndre Ayton's attitude after the Suns were eliminated in the NBA Finals when he was all happy, happy, happy. And and it, that teams can react that way to people inside, and then if then then it's not a it's not a far bridge to go to cross to say oh he wasn't with us anyways he wasn't emotionally invested when I don't believe that to be the case, but but you can understand why people might start thinking that way yeah if he's if he's the one in party mode after a Super Bowl but again I'd have to see that to believe also it. if it, if it was game like seventeen of the regular season and you were about to go to the off season okay. You're telling me he's not going to want to win the Super Bowl? I, that he's so distracted because he's not going to give it all to win a Super Bowl? Yeah, and, and on, right, exactly. And on top of that, so, so this is assuming, so the Eagles are claiming he already had the job. Because why else would you be that happy? Or was he distracted for getting ready for an interview? Which he said at his introductory press conference, too. He's treated the last couple of off-seasons to kind of get ready for head coaching interviews and possibilities like oh, this, if right. you remember correctly. Right, that's so, right. That's right. I, I do think there is a healthy dose of, from, from the Philadelphia side of things, and that's organizationally and from the fan base, that is pinning the whole loss on mm-hmm. Jonathan Gannon. Conveniently. Yes. Yeah, I the agree guy with that. that's now gone... Good riddance. Oh, by the way, we're we're very bothered by what happened. Right. He would, you know, I don't think he would have been fired, but the fan base wouldn't have been happy if Jonathan Gannon was back. You know how much I hate people who pander to the fan base. I call it fandering, pandering to the fan base, fandering. That's what the Eagles are doing here. They're seizing on this contempt, whatever for whatever ridiculous cultural reasons that Eagles fans have for Jonathan Gannon, and it's very real. Like I've said before, I've got I got a couple of really close friends who are from Philly, and they they bleed green. They can't they should, stand him. They should get that checked. <laughs> they should. Yeah, that sounds like a real problem. Uh-huh. <laughs> My. My favorite saying, though, and, and one of my favorite sayings in all of sports is when a really, really diehard fan of a team that happens to wear red uniform says, I bleed red. Well, congratulations. Congra- so do we all. We all do. Congratulations. <laughs> so does that guy who roots for the team that wears blue. Uh, you can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, we unearth the gold on our Twitter account at Bickley underscore Murata. Social Wrong. Studies with Sarah Cazell is coming up here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.